0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 181 of the Farm Traveler podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Williams. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about the intersection of trout farming and faith, which I think are two awesome topics to talk about. Um, if you've listened to this show for a while, you might know that my grandpa had a catfish farm growing up. And so, I mean, when I was a kid. And so I remember going over there for the longest time, catching catfish, helping them sane the ponds. And so I've always had a soft spot for fish farming. And Ty Walker from Smokin' Chimneys in Virginia, a rainbow trout farm, Ty emailed me and was like, hey, I'd love to come on your show, talk to you about what we're doing, how we've been working with white oak pastures in the past, sustainability of fish farming, and how faith and prayer, we're trying to rope it all in together with farming. I was like, Ty, absolutely, let's do this. So we had an awesome conversation learning about rainbow trout farming, how it works, the whole process from starting the hatchery how they start with trout eggs, how long it takes them until they reach market weight, until they're ready to get processed. And even, you know, the whole debate on farmed fish versus wild fish. And Ty thinks that we can definitely have both, which I think is very, very important. And also the importance of working with like-minded farmers and ranchers, specifically working with white oak pastures. You know, we've had um, a member of the Harris family on with white oak pastures here on the show. And he reached out to them and was like, hey, we've got some awesome sustainably raised trout and we would love to work with you. And they saw it, they tried it, they're like, absolutely. So he works with them, kind of talking about the importance of sustainability and all that good stuff. And then lastly, we're gonna end talking about prayer, talking about faith, talking about being more open with our faith, you know, when we have a business, when we're sharing our farming content online and all that good stuff. So this was an awesome conversation with Ty Check out all the links below in the description of this episode. All things for smoking chimneys. And I really hope you'll enjoy this episode, learning about trout farming. So thanks so much for listening. All right, well, Ty Walker, welcome to the show, man. Super excited to chat with you.
2: Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to talk about what we're doing here in Virginia.
1: So uh, we were talking to earlier, you have a trout farm, you're a trout farmer, And my grandpa, small world, he uh, here in Florida, he had a catfish farm growing when I was growing up. And so I would always go over there the weekends. We'd stay in the ponds. They would get catfish and hybrid bass. So I've always had like a soft spot for aquaculture. And so I can't believe it's taken me like 180 episodes to finally chat with somebody like you. I'm super excited.
2: Yeah, we've been at the hatchery we're at now three and a half years, I guess. Um, Mm. It's definitely been a labor of love. The place was built in the 1930s. Um, Our first year there, we pretty much were just trying to figure out how to get the water on, honestly. I mean, Mm. it's like cast iron valves and brass pipes and... It's like this whole Willy Wonka kind of system. We didn't really have any explanation on how it works. So trying to figure out, yeah, this old man um, showed up. He used to work there and I was like, man, can you just show me or tell me a little bit about what's going on? And man, he had this big pipe wrench and found this old valve in the weeds and I'll never forget it. He turns the valve on and water's just shooting everywhere. (laughs) And I was like, it was just a magical moment.
1: I bet. I mean, that's so cool. So like, what's your, what's your kind of background? Then how did you get started into it? I mean, what was the whole draw there?
2: My wife and I were living, uh, I'm from Southwest Virginia. My wife and I were living uh, at the time in California and we moved to Oregon Mm -hmm. and farmed there for a while. And we moved back to Virginia and we're farming at my grandparents' farm. We were just doing like pasture pork and grass-fed beef and that kind of stuff. And this opportunity came up to kind of get this trout hatchery going and it was really a gamble man but i just felt i just felt peace on it you know we prayed about it a lot i mean it was like this everyone in my life was like dude what are you doing this is a stupid idea like <laughs> you can't even figure out how to get the water on and um i don't know man i just felt like drawn to it you know and we just kind of had to take it day by day yeah. Well, hey, when
1: you when you feel that draw, I mean, there's obviously something there, and and so you were starting out as a hatchery, so you're raising them from eggs to the time they're what they get shipped to a bigger farm, or what's the no, whole process? No,
2: um, we, you know, in pastured pork land, you know, it's like faro to finish. It's mm. we're doing the exact same thing with trout. We're getting eggs. We're breeding some of our own fish. We do rainbows, uh, brooks, and browns. I'm actually getting some cutthroat eggs in the spring, which I'm super excited about. But yeah, we mainly focus on rainbows just because their grow out is the shortest of all three of those. And we're mm. running a, a business, so you need to have some sort of a turnover. But that's even that's about 14 months.
3: Really? Um, okay. Yeah.
2: The water temperature it's about 56, 54 to 56 year round. So you know we can run our operation year round. But yeah, man, we we start with eggs and hatch the eggs. Um, That takes about 10 weeks, that whole process. And then, yeah, they grow out in earthen ponds outside. Our hatchery is all gravity fed. There's no pumps. Um, So yeah, it's a unique setup for sure.
1: I bet. So what are the, is there anything specific you need to do to get those fish to, to lay eggs? Because when my grandpa was doing catfish, he found out that they love to burrow, but for some reason they weren't burrowing in these ponds. And so he built this thing. It was like two five-gallon buckets like glued together, basically, with one end cut open. So the catfish would actually have somewhere to like, burrow in and lay their eggs. So is there anything specific you guys have got to do to make sure the trout actually lay their eggs?
2: Well, the trout, we're, what we're doing is, I mean, in a commercial hatchery, you'd pull the fish out, you'd sedate the fish, then you'd strip the eggs out. You strip the sperm, fertilize the eggs, do the whole bit. We don't do that. We take the fit the, our breeding stock out, and we I read in this like this hatchery book from like the 1930s the guy would dip the fish in this mixture of clove oil and water hmm. and it sort of relaxes the fish because we don't do any like chemicals or anything like that. so we needed a natural way to I mean if you can imagine holding and trying to hold an eight pound Fish like to try. I mean, it's <laughs> easier it's, said than done. Yeah, impossible. So the clove oil just kind of relaxes the fish, and it's a multiple person job because you have someone stripping the eggs, you have someone kind of do mixing the the sperm with the eggs, and kind of doing that whole bit, and then you have someone that's reviving the fish back in the water. So mm. it's kind of like an all hands on deck thing. It's stressful because you know you're trying to retain the quality of the eggs but still keep your breeding stock alive you know a lot of times at hatcheries they just kill the breeding stock but we're using ours every year so mm. got to keep them alive
1: yeah probably a good idea so what what are the numbers like in terms of you know how many eggs might you get out versus how many are actually going to you know grow to where they reach that finishing size
2: yeah i mean we're probably somewhere around 70 percent okay um which is okay it's pretty good but by the time you're gonna have some loss with just eggs and then like dude two weeks ago we got three we trapped three otters i mean they like otters oh, wow. bald eagles herons i mean this is all outside in earth and ponds you know it's not like in a a setup where it's it's inside under lights and so we're, you know. Yeah, anyway, it's uh so you gotta factor that in. But um Yeah, yeah that's 70%, not- 65%, the Brooks and Browns are about forty percent. They're just a lot more finicky uh than the rainbows are, but yeah, man. So whatever you need in 14 months, you need to be hatching double. And that's kind of what we're wow. running into now. Like I said, our first year, we're just kind of figuring out what we're doing. Our second year there, we were pretty much spent the year working with the state to be able to process the fish. Because anyone can sell a live fish, but you have to have um, you know, licensure from the state to be able to process and sell fish. And who's, I mean, there's no fish processors here in southwest Virginia. So it was kind of a, we figured it out. So we processed <laughs> at a commercial kitchen um i don't know where i was going with that but um yeah so you're at you're factoring all that into your production in like because you're trying to project 14 months out like what the demand is going to be which is pretty tough but uh yeah
1: yeah and i mean you said in the past you've worked with um beef right yeah so, I mean, you just kind of mentioned it, the issues you had with getting trout processed. I mean, how much more different is that than you know getting beef processed locally? Like, is that is there a huge difference there?
2: Mm, well, there's a lot to be said on that. I mean, I guess for <laughs> one for one thing, trout doesn't fall under uh, USDA inspection. Mm. So in the, in Virginia, fish fall under VDACs which okay. is, you know, the state arm of the meat regulation. But, um, you know, I mean, they were good to work with. It just, it took a while to figure out the right processes because prior to us processing trout, there was only one place in the whole state that could process trout. So, I mean, they see, like, I mean, like you said, brought up beef, issues with beef processing come up all the time, you know, or mm-hmm. pork. But, And that was tough too, trying to project what we were gonna sell. I mean, it's funny, and I just was talking to someone the other day. It's like the state fish of Virginia is a brook trout. And you can't go anywhere and buy a trout at a restaurant or a store. Hmm. I mean, very, like most of the trout that comes into the state of Virginia that's sold either comes from North Carolina. Maine or Idaho really so it's just ironic that Virginia the state fish is a trout and all the trout comes from somewhere else you know so we're trying to kind of bring it full circle I mean dude Virginia has over like 2,800 miles of wild trout water so it's we got the habitat we got the water why isn't it's sort of a part of our palate, so to speak, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that does. And, I mean, what's what's it look like in Virginia in terms of, like, I guess fish farming in general? Like, are there a lot? Are there small? Are you guys only, like, a small percentage or really most of it? Like, what's going on there? Uh,
2: I know. I think there's four state hatcheries. Okay. And then private. One, two. I probably only know five. Really? Yeah. And dude, in the past year, two of the big ones in Virginia got bought up by this outfit in Pennsylvania. And all those trout go to Pennsylvania. So
3: Hmm.
2: they don't even stay like in In the the state state anymore. And plus with a trout hatchery, I mean, like our system is an open system. That means the water isn't being recirculated. Water comes in, water goes out. Mm -hmm. You can't. With DEQ and regulations, I mean, you can't divert a creek into, like, some big fish. I mean, I don't know if that could even be done now with regulations. And so it's – a lot of these places were built – like, my place is built in the 30s. A lot of the places were built in, like, the late 70s. So they're all grandfathered in. Um, But, yeah, there's not uh, fish farms popping up everywhere.
1: That's interesting sure. cuz I mean I'm I'm a very very novice like inshore fisherman. I like going out every now and then. Yeah. We've got some good stuff here in Florida, but I mean Virginia, you guys have got a lot of a lot around Chesapeake Bay area, a lot of fishing. You would think the whole state would have a lot of fish farming or maybe just well, like farming
2: up and there or something. that's part of it. I mean, the Chesapeake Bay has like the spotlight from a you know, a regulatory perspective or a demand perspective or a supply perspective. I mean, it's you're all focused on the Chesapeake Bay, you know, mm-hmm. rehabilitating it or water quality or uh oysters or, you know, crabs or whatever. There hasn't been just a there just hasn't been as much attention for a freshwater fish option, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, that does. That's really interesting. Um and so so how big is y'all's operation? Like, how many ponds do you guys have? have what does oh that
2: look gosh. like? Oh, gosh. I mean, I've got <laughs> uh, one, two, three, four. I've got, like, seven ponds. I have five concrete raceways. Okay. Um, there's two more ponds that I need to get cleaned out. I mean, there's, there's, like, trees growing up in them. But we would need to, I mean, I need to get some big machinery in there. We're not quite, I think this past year we did about, seven or eight thousand fish okay. and then this year we'll be on track to do hopefully around 15,000 really um yeah i think the max our place can do is about 20,000 but that's i mean that's a lot of fish man um that is, i
1: mean y'all are doubling what you did last year yeah
2: i mean we've really you know it's people are like, man, you guys are really, you know, getting it going on. it's like, dude, this is like my only income. Like somebody somewhere is going to buy some trout, you know? Oh, um, but I mean, it's re- it's been the restaurants we worked with have been really awesome. I mean, they're serving whole plated trout. You know, they're like coaching the, um, you know, the service staff on, you know, the people that come in, how to eat it. It's kind of this. I don't know. It's, we're trying to just bring this whole sort of renaissance aspect to whole trout again. So it's taking some coaching for sure. Um, but yeah, man, we're getting there. Yeah. Hey, slowly but surely,
1: but I mean, it sounds like you guys are, you know, moving and shaking and doing a lot of work up there. I mean, doubling what you guys did last year. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, I think, and you know, we process them all like by hand, you know, Mm -hmm. so, um, it's pretty labor-intensive, man. Um, but it's cool that... And um, in, in, from a sustainability aspect... Like, I can't... It's kind of like a double-edged sword. Like, I can't... If I screw this situation up up here, there's no just, oh, let me move to the next 10 acres and mm. do whatever there. I mean, it's like... This is what I got, and I can't get another one, so I need to um, manage it in a way that I can do this every year over and over and over, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, and I don't, like, I mean, fish farming is, like, super sustainable. I mean, there's a lot of metrics out there where, I mean, fish are the most um, efficient In terms of converting food to you know body mass
2: you're right they're almost one-to-one which is insane well and that's what's tough too man it's like you know a lot of the documentaries and stuff like especially the documentaries focusing on like um you know we're depleting our wild you know ocean fish stocks and all that stuff and i totally agree But then they get to the fish farming aspect and the only fish farm they show is the rough and tumble, you know, salmon farm where, Mm -hmm. you know, they got eight feet of poop that's on the ocean floor below it and killing all of it. And it's like, it's like they're showing like the worst of the worst and then saying, you know what, it's not sustainable. It's like... I mean, it'd be like showing a confinement pig operation and saying, hey, well, that's not sustainable. We shouldn't be eating pork. And it's like, no, not not really. I mean, so that gets a little frustrating because we're doing like the opposite. You know, Wick, we, like, we, do, we do multiple events every year. People come out. They see what we got going on. We're totally transparent with our whole operation, so... Um, but it's a bummer because you hear fish farm, and that doesn't have a good. I mean, you start thinking about cat food next. You know, it just doesn't have a good mm-hmm. ring to it. So, and and that's why because you know it's sort of been a race to the bottom, so to speak. I mean, even in our state,
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Th-
2: most of the trout is sold like whole fish like for stocking ponds or streams and then the trout that are sold i mean the, there's not like a high like a high-end trout product like in the <laughs> something Virginia random market, yeah, yeah yeah, you know which again i mean well, i'm saying yeah, the that's same interesting. thing i mean it's, it's interesting you talked
1: about that. that i feel like a lot of people do have a negative like connotation when it comes to farm fish when i mean is we want those to like fish. You know, we want it without you know decreasing for, the natural you know, population. So we've got to have fish farming. And I, mean, I definitely know, think we can I live mean, in a world where just, we can have both, like, you know, yeah. wild trout versus farm trout. Like, I definitely think that there's a place for both, especially yeah. people like you guys that are doing a great job of it. And it's not, I mean, I 100% agree that like anytime you see it on a documentary or something, it's the worst of the worst. And they're just painting a really bad picture when then that is not at all what the reality of the industry is.
2: Like, I'm a, I've been like a lifelong fly fisherman, catch and release. Mm-hmm. There's wild fish in the stream that run along the hatchery. And it's funny because, like, I mean, we work, you know, like Filson and Sims. And it's like, how do you, it seems like two competing worlds. You know, mm-hmm. you've got the kind of upper crust fly fishing conservation crowd. And then you have the hatchery fish crowd. And I'm kind of like. Dude, you you can have both here. Like, I can operate a hatchery where, you know, I'm using my hatchery as a platform for education. Like, eat oh, these yeah. fish here. Like, don't eat the wild fish. Like, it can be a both and. It doesn't have to be... Um, we obviously, you know, don't want to be eating wild trout, but eating a... Farm-raised trout gives us a platform and sort of a point of reference for people to appreciate a wild trout. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense?
1: Oh, no, 100%. Yeah.
2: So it can be a both and, yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it doesn't have to be one or the other. I mean, there's definitely a place for both. I mean, both for us to eat and have healthy options, but also for, you know, the whole ecosystem. Like, let's, I don't know focus on having, like, increasing the wild population, but understanding that we can do that because of farm fishing
3: and stuff Oh,
2: Well, like. and, like, back to your point, like, you know, we do a couple local farmer's markets, and a lot of, you know, you get these people that come up and are, you know, oh, it's, like, farm-raised. And a lot of times our response is, was, like, eating, like, wild trout, is that is that an alternative to and a lot of times they don't have a response. They just have a feeling that farmed fish isn't, um, it's like low quality or something, you know. But but then it's funny because then I rattle off the, you know, polyface, white oak pastures, you know, uh, all the restaurants are in. Not to throw it in their face, but then they're <laughs> kind of like, oh, wow, like, you know, it's sad you got to do that, but you kind of throw out some names of people that are supporting and buying your product, and they're kind of like, oh, wow, well, uh, I, I might try one, you know? Yeah.
1: They're but. like, you know what, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is a good idea. Like, l- let me see all these, you know, chefs and people like White Oak Pastures that are doing amazing things that are using your products or using farm trout and you're like oh okay like it's okay for me to change my mind like i can do that in 2023 that's okay uh, i know yeah
2: <laughs> i can do that in 2023 yeah that's funny
1: so that was a perfect segue we had on one of the daughters from white oak pastures a couple months ago and they are booming because you know the dad was on the rogan show and everything yeah. and they're doing a lot of stuff with sustainability so how have you worked with them in the past
2: yeah so i mean really funny story i don't know if i told this full story yet but um I mean I've been I mean I've been following them a long time you know and I was like on their website and I was like man they don't have I mean they have a some seafood <laughs> options but they don't have like a trout option you know and I just sent an email and it was like hey you know, kind of gave them our spiel. Here's what we're doing. Would you be interested in, you know, potentially carrying our product? Could I, you know, send you some samples? And um, Jenny Harris was like, yeah, you know, if you're in the area, um, you know, stop in and bring a couple samples. I'd love to try it. And I think like a month or later, I was like, man, I need to go down there. And I emailed, and this is the only time I've lied to her. I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to be in the area, like definitely not in the area. It's like 10 hours away, you know. So I remember processing the night before, loaded up my cooler of trout, and then drove, you know, left my house at like 4 in the morning, drove 10 hours, had a meeting, and um, she was like, this is amazing. Nice. That's awesome. And it was all. It was so cool, man. I mean, because I've gotten, I mean, to every yes I get, I mean, I probably get like ten nos, you mm-hmm. know. But to go that far and to have an operation of that scale and scope, really be excited about the product and want to carry it, um, it was definitely. I mean, it was an encouragement just personally, you know. I mean, yeah, we're proud of the product, but it was just. Yeah. I was like, man, I think we're on the right track here, you know? So yeah, the, and it was awesome too, because, you know, we're not, we're just so focused on like raising and and processing shipping. The trout is just a whole nother game that we're just (laughs) not able to get into that right now, but it's amazing that they, you know, they ship all over the United States. So, and it's awesome that, you know, people are really familiar with like their pork and beef and, poultry products but then they'll like add a trout onto their order and i mean mm-hmm. was, like two weeks ago i got an email from someone in texas that was like just say one of your trout it was amazing i don't know i just thought it was cool that someone in texas was eating a trout from us that's but, pretty cool yeah i mean yeah.
1: Th- that's a huge compliment to i mean all your hard work what you're doing i mean to yeah. get that feedback and and also to get that feedback from white oak i mean that's all huge
2: Yeah, I mean, we were just down there, I don't know, three or four months ago, and it was just crazy to like, I mean, I was just in the store, we were just like hanging out, and I don't know, just for a couple days, me and my wife, but like opening the White Oak Pastures freezer, and like my trout's in there. I don't know, It's just kind of a cool moment, but.
1: (laughs) You're um, like, hey, I've kind of made it now, this is pretty cool. Well,
2: it was, it was cool, it was just like we're here in the store and I can buy the trout here, but, um, yeah, they've been just like a mentor too. I mean, it's just, the farming space is, I don't know. It's just always changing, you know, Mm -hmm. with like price increases and demand changes and trying to get product from point A to point B they've, you know, they've just helped us kind of navigate all those waters, but yeah.
1: I bet. Yeah, it, it's... I love to see just how collaborative the whole ag industry is. Like, whether, you know, I mean, a white oak pastor has no fish, but, you know, you're a trout farmer, and yet you guys are learning from one another, sharing products, and just kind of, you know, building relationships, which it, I think is huge. I love that part of the industry. Like, just all the collaborative, like, aspects of it and how people, you know, yeah, watch each other. i really
2: found it ironic that... And people may argue with me on this, but you have... You know, like folks like, you know, like Polyface and Waddock Pastures and uh, another one of my mentors, uh, uh, Clay and Tyler at Autumn Olive Farm. They're like the premier pork producer, like mm. in the state of Virginia. Anyway, they've been a big support and mentor. I mean, big outfits. They're like some of the most like humble, kind I mean, you're like, I just want to like be like this person, you know, but then you have so many of these like, like new people in the space that think they're going to like save the world and they know everything. And I don't know. It's just, it's funny. It's like, it's ironic to me that you have these like, you know, five, six, seven figure farm businesses where they're like, we're just happy to be doing what we're doing and, and happy to share and then you got people that don't know you know you know their head from a hole in the ground and think that (laughs) I don't know that's the one thing about the space that's kind of frustrating you know it's I feel like I mean a farmer is like a servant you know and Mm -hmm. being a servant like like we get to live an awesome life we might not make tons of money but we eat well we're around our families like it's an amazing quality of life you know and that's like a quality of life a lot of people don't have you know and we should be appreciative for that and humble not use it as like a. I grew my own tomatoes i'm a better person than you i mean that's that sort of thinking doesn't overall help the space either Mm -hmm. you know I mean, I could go on forever about that, but um, it's just been cool to see meet, like, you know, like the Harris's. I mean, they're such awesome people, and they run this huge outfit. I mean, it's just cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've been big for a while, and even lately, as they've gotten so much publicity... They're still down to earth. They're still super genuine. They're still super nice. I mean, and it's funny, kind of like how you're saying, like some people, you know, they get a big head. They get a super big ego. I mean, it's just interesting to kind of see what happens as people get more successful or less successful. It just, you know, you just kind of got to watch. It's like like the
2: big ego. Does that help welcome new people into the space? Do you know what it's like? Let me tell you. It's like if you go into a cigar shop and you don't know anything about cigars, like, yeah. you're going to feel like an idiot. And, like, I don't like feeling like an idiot. Do you? I mean, none of us do. So I don't know where I was going with that. But
1: <laughs> No, that honestly, that's a perfect analogy because I can't. I, I dabble in cigars every now and then, but yeah, I can't. I tell like how cigars, many cigars too. There.
2: And even, even yeah. when I still go in there, I still don't feel like, you know, I'm the, 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 the aficionado, you know? <laughs> I mean,
1: yeah. Yeah. I feel like every other store I go into, it's either like somebody that's nice, like, oh, what do you like? Or it's like, oh, what do you like? Try this. And they just like don't care. I know. It, it's like you either, some people like, I don't know, welcome new, newbies, beginners. Yeah. And some people are just like, No, how dare they ask me questions? How dare they not know?
2: Yeah, I just, I hope the space, like as, you know, things get crazier or whatever, or prices, I I hope the space will become more and more welcoming instead of more like, well, y'all should listen to me 10 years ago and blah, blah, blah. And that's sort of just bitterness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway,
1: <laughs> I like it. No, I see a lot of a, a lot of what you're saying. I mean, you can see a lot of that on social media, websites, everything. But yeah. But um, so let's. I, the one thing I wanted to talk about your website, which I think is really cool. It's smoking chimneys. Well, first yeah. off, hang on. W- where's the whole name from? Smoking chimneys. Where does that come from?
2: Okay. Okay. So uh, I guess it's like a twofold thing. The first yeah, yeah. thing. Well, at my grandparents' property, there's two old stone chimneys that were built in the 1800s,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and we're there on the property, and it was kind of like, man, we're, like, getting the family farm back going again. It was kind of like, man, we're, we're, like, putting smoke back in the chimneys, you know? Like, we're mm-hmm. getting the fire back going again of revitalizing the land and, like, bringing, like, a viable business back to, like, a family farm, you know? yeah so we always want smoke in the chimneys, so to speak, Um, and then, too, man, I just, I wanted to pick a name that would give us, like, the flexibility to, like, do what we want, you know, like, I just didn't want to do, like, Triangle Farm, or, I mean, and that's great, man, and I'm not, I'm just, for me personally, it's like, I wanted to, you know, because we do a lot of events, and I just wanted to give our brand, so to speak, like enough space that we aren't like pigeonholed into like we're just this one thing. Because once you add farm, it's hard to like get out of that mold a little bit. So does that make sense?
1: Oh, yeah. You're you're not limiting yourself. I mean, it's a very unique name. And when people maybe when they look at it at face glance, they're like, you know, what is that? Smoking chimneys, what is that? Then they learn more about... And dude,
2: I, know, I mean, and I get it. Off the bat, you're like, what, like, smoking the chimney? What, like, so I mean, I get is the trout smoked? I mean, you get a lot of, know. like... I mean, that's part of it. I think, though, like, once you kind of just get it, that it's smoking, it's got a good ring to it. I just... It does, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think initially it was... You know, like, oh, you do ch-, Cause I have a, uh, 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 so funny, dude. I've got a magnet on my truck, you know, smoking chimneys. Bro, I don't know how many people, bro. Oh, you do chimney work? <laughs> bro, I'm like, dude, I should have started a daggum chimney
1: business. Oh, I my mean, gosh. Yeah, you, you can have a couple employees that are like the chimney sweeps. That's uh, perfect. subsidiary.
2: <laughs> yeah. So funny, but, uh, yeah, man, I, I just wanted to come up with something that we could we could kind of make it what we wanted, and and to be frank, I don't know where this whole thing is gonna go, you know. But mm-hmm. I just want enough flexibility that I'm not like pigeonholed <laughs> into one sort of aspect, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, that's smart. I see that. I mean, that's that's cool. Um, and so you've got yeah, your website's great. It's just chimneys dot com. You've got farm food and prayer. So. I love talking about this. Why, what is that third thing? Why is that so important to your operation Smoking Chimneys? What about that prayer thing?
2: Well, I guess, I mean, there's, man, I could go on forever about that. I think part of that is just like about like how we like live our life, dude. I mm-hmm. mean, even just taking like the trout operation, I mean, there was, I mean, even just getting there, dude, like I got a phone call like out of the blue that was like, I mean, it was just a total God moment, how we even got there, you know, like, and then being there, I mean, there was, I mean, there was a time last year when like, like a pallet, I mean, I buy the best fish food on the market. It's super expensive. A pallet's like three grand, right? And I had like, and I got, just picture this, I've got, I had hatched. I got two stories one story i had twenty thousand fish that I just hatched right the mm-hmm. the last year this the the fish were starting to harvest right now and they were in the trough bro I had like five hundred dollars in my bank account and I was yeah. like, why am I even doing this like I don't even have the money to like raise these fish that i'm like looking at you know and i was like i should just like dump them in the creek or like it was just one of those moments you're like what am i doing you know and Mm -hmm. in my mind dude i just got that verse like you know he gives us like daily bread you know and it's like yeah i don't know what next month is going to look like i don't know what three months is going to look like but i do know like i'm supposed to be here doing this and if i just you know focus on today. Like, I don't get so overwhelmed or stressed out, you know? And it's just so crazy that here I am 14 months later and I'm harvesting the fish that a year ago I was like, dude, I don't even know if I can do this, you know? Yeah. So for me, it's like, it's not some sort of like gimmicky thing, you know? For me, it's like, it's actually like real. It's like Mm -hmm. actually like how I like live my life you know and like some people are cool with that and some people kind of rag on it and and that's okay man i'm not trying to here to like prove anything i'm just it is a part of like our life and you know having a relationship with god and you know there was another moment where um back to the fish feed thing i had two bags of feed left right And I was like, dude, I need another pallet of feed. A pallet of feed's three grand. I didn't have the money, and I just remember standing in my little shed where I keep the feed, and I was just like, I just prayed a simple prayer. I was like, God, please help me. Like I have no fish food, and like I I know you want me to be doing this, but you got to help me. You know. I mean, it wasn't (laughs) really magical, and there wasn't a course of angels and lightning didn't strike or any of this stuff. But the next day. I had a, a friend call me, and he was like, hey, Ty, this guy, like, does a lot of work with, like, PetSmart, and he's, like, a big in, in like, the aquarium business. Anyway, he calls me, and I hadn't talked to him in a while. He was like, hey, Ty, I got a pallet of feed down here, of trout feed, and it's got, like, bugs all in it, and I'm going to throw the, the pallet away of feed. Do you, do you, can you use it? Literally the next day, dude. Oh, and I'm talk like, about
1: a God moment. Oh, my you know, God. I'm like,
2: Dude, for me, it's like, you can't make this stuff up, dude. Mm-hmm. You know? So, for me, it's, you know, I'm walking by faith, not by sight, you know? And um, sometimes that's, like, harder. Some days that's harder than others, you know? And, I mean, even, like, being a parent, bro, it's, like, super overwhelming, you know? It's, like, I need wisdom to, like, know how to, like raise my kids, like, especially, like, this day and age, you know? I mean, I don't know. Does that make
1: sense? Oh, yeah. No, no, it does. And, I mean, I feel like, hopefully, more people are becoming more, you know, themselves and sharing their story, sharing their faith online, which is awesome. I mean, I think more and more people should do it. And I love those moments where, you know, it's a God moment, but it's just, it's an impactful moment like that, like with the fish food. Like, you, you see God in those moments that you know, really matter to you or really matter to your business. And I, I don't know. I always think so that's cool. It's so personal, dude. It's
2: not oh, yeah. like something I read in a magazine or somebody else told me a story about a guy one time. No, it's like this actually happened yeah. to me. It's like my experience. And like, I'm allowed to let my experience be valid for me. You know, like, does that make sense? Like, Yo, yeah, 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 we're, you know, I had this one girl at this, we were at this like kind of industry thing and she was like, you know, Ty, oh, are you smoking chimneys? And I was like, yeah, I guess. And she was like, you know, I love your whole thing, but the prayer thing, I mean, I'm just not into that. And, you know, she was like, and this is like in front of like, 40 people, you know, and she's like, What's up with the prayer thing? And it, I was like, Dude, so on the spot. I mean, it was just like, it's like needle drop, you know, and mm-hmm. I just started, you know, in, in college, I had a serious bout with like, you know, suicidal thoughts and depression. And I was just at like, a moment like, God, if you're real, if there is a God, you got to like help me, you know, and again, it wasn't overnight, no lightning, but. All that, like, just mental health stuff that I was wrapped up in, like, it went away. And I just shared my little story, you know, and she didn't have anything to say, you know. And I wasn't trying to prove a point. I'm just like, that was my experience, and that was what happened. And that's why it's farm food and prayer. I mean, I don't know what else to say.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I mean as a Christian, too, like... I feel like a lot of people, like maybe back in the day, you know, like we used to pretend that Christians had everything figured out. Christians were perfect. But I mean, now people are being much more vulnerable about their faith, about their life. And like, hey, I'm not like, I'm trying to do it too. Like I am not a perfect Christian by any means, by any way, shape or form. And I mean, I don't know. I feel like being vulnerable and telling people how we've messed up, how our faith has helped us, how God has helped us. Like, I feel like hopefully I can bring more people to, you know, Christianity. And I mean... Hopefully people like that can see that just you being genuine is hopefully effective. And they're like, you know what? Okay, I need to listen to this person. Like, this is cool. I'm glad that they they shared their story.
2: Yeah, and I just felt like, you know, it's funny when we kind of started, like, that's what we want smoking chimneys to be, like farm food prayer, you know? It's like, it's insane how overwhelmingly supportive people have been.
3: Mm, that's like, awesome.
2: wow farm for bread i love your vision like I you know we support you so it i honestly thought it was going to be the opposite really but really in reality like it's been i think in some ways it's been like refreshing for people hmm. you know that's like dude i don't have a church or a men- I just have like a trout business but i can incorporate my faith into that and you know even the people that aren't like like really like believers per se i mean like just like a business that's gonna like support like family values you know Mm -hmm. it's like i don't know it's just been cool kind of a pleasant surprise i guess i could say just to see how supportive people have been as opposed to like knocking it you know
1: Oh, yeah. And I mean, I'm sure that was, you know, kind of intimidating whenever y'all wanted to do that, because, I mean, you're putting your not only yourself in your business, but now you're putting your faith out there, too, which is, you know, that's something very intimate to you and your family. And you put that out there associated with your business, you know, like you're oh,
2: and a business that like isn't like totally it's not like we're this big outfit and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, like this would believe like like it or not, like it could really affect us. Mm hmm positively or like negatively you know so um i don't know it's it's been i'm encouraged i'll I'll say that for sure
1: well i can imagine and i bet i mean it obviously sounds like a lot more people are encouraged by that too so i mean that that cautious step you took looks like it's you know paying dividends which is wonderful obviously
2: yeah and it's it's kind of given us an opportunity, like people, like, like a lot, of, you know, a lot of people, they just are the chefs, like, dude, they just like the trout mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like me or not or whatever and just move on. And that's fine. But the people that have been like, you know, following kind of our journey or just like reading more of the stuff, you know, we've spent the past three years developing like a um, a farm, like a kind of like a God creation centered farm internship you know Mm -hmm. and like that's sort of like our vision and our heart and we're about halfway done with it hopefully by the end of this year we'll have it like you know it'll be a it'll be a a book farm food prayer you know that will be published and um you know if I could just share real quick like when we farm when we were at the um did the farming internship in Oregon it was just about farming there's Mm -hmm. nothing about god or being connected with the land or any sort of like spiritual element you know and then previously previous to that i was on staff at um the house of prayer in pasadena california you know like really into prayer and worship and but that was like in an urban setting Mm -hmm. and like years later i'm like man it needs to be like both like why are they separate you know like why can't there be a farm internship that teaches farm skills In the context of like having a relationship with the creator, like people have been doing that for, I don't know, forever. Like why, why is it separate now? You know, Mm -hmm. does that make sense?
1: Yeah, no, that does. I mean, I feel like there's an audience for that. I mean, that's pretty cool. I haven't really heard of anything like that before, but you're kind of incorporating that more. I like that. That's cool.
2: Yeah, I mean the past, you know, these past three years and this year will be pretty just focused on our business. But we're hoping in the future, you know, we can, you know, I'm going to keep chipping away at this material. But it would be sort of our dream to be able to roll that out at some point.
1: I bet, and I mean, also that book, I'll be on the lookout for that farm food and prayer book. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, I'm I'm imagining something like, you know, maybe like a I don't know, farmer's almanac mixed in with some prayer or something. I don't know, dude. I mean,
2: it's not like. It hadn't been, I mean, I think we're just getting to a point now. It's like, I've seen people start farms and into the food and all that stuff. But if there's not a right, like, paradigm there... The person ends up getting like burnt out. And we talk about sustainability, sustainability, we hear it every day, but it's like it's not sustainable if the people are being depleted and the land is increasing in its production. Like that's not sustainable. Like sustainability would be like the land is becoming more productive and like the people are having a more productive, like internal life. Mm. So, I think that should be the goal, but we've, like, sacrificed ourselves and our relationships for better soil, and better soil's great. We need that, absolutely, but that's only half of the equation.
1: Yeah, I like that. nurture. So, nurturing not just the environment, but also our souls and just kind of paying attention to all that.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, it's like, dude, who are you helping if... Five years into your farm thing, you're burnt out. Your relationship with your wife or your kids is stressed. You feel like a failure. Like you know what I'm saying? If you don't, if you're not feeding yourself at the same time you're you're working with the land, it it doesn't it doesn't work. You know. Um, That's why I think having that intentional spiritual, God-centered, creation-centered element in conjunction with working the land, that's how the whole thing is going to... Um, multiply, if that yeah. makes sense, you know?
1: Yeah, no, totally. I mean, oh,
2: you meet I th- farmers, dude, all the time. I mean, dude, they're work to death. They weigh, like, 60 pounds. I mean, you're like, dude, like... And I get it, dude. I've been that. You've, you've taken on too much, and you're like, dude, you're just cranking it out, and I get that. But overarchingly, in terms mm-hmm. of a whole movement, that can't be the trajectory. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean... I'm not trying I'm to get looking... too metaphysical here. I'm just... Oh, no, no, no. Like, I mean, it, it just doesn't... Too many of those situations creates issues you know
1: yeah i mean burnout's a real thing like if you're a farmer if you're you know if you i don't know are a content creator if you're doing any job and i mean at what point do we need to stop focusing on you know getting creating as big of a business as we can or getting as much money as we can like we've also got to you know stop and think like i need to worry about my mentality i need to worry about my soul like i need to focus on me my relationships, my spirituality just as much as I need to focus on the business because if I don't focus on that stuff, if I just focus on the business, I'm gonna be miserable I'm gonna be burnt hey, dude, what out. does that
2: equate to? what is what you're saying? What does that equate to? It equates to hard decision making mm-hmm. because it's like last year we were <laughs> doing pork, had a full pork production, raw milk and our trout. Like I mean we couldn't sell enough of it. I mean it was we were doing great. But at the end of this, you know, last year, we made the hard decision, dude. We're shutting down our pork operation and we're shutting down our raw milk operation because we're just we're spread too thin. And I mean, what's it all worth if I'm doing all this farming and great stuff, but then I'm I'm in here yelling at my kids, like what 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 gives, you know? And like I'm just a person. I have, um. I don't have endless patience or endless empathy, or like I, I'm just a person, you know. And yeah,
1: something's got to give. Yeah, yeah.
2: And it was just like for the health of a, we wanted to focus on the trout, but B, it's like we've got to create, we got to have boundaries, which mm-hmm. especially as a millennial, and I can speak for myself. I mean, we don't like boundaries we think we can have our cake and eat it too you know like Mm -hmm. we can do it all and it's like we can't you know like we've got to make decisions
1: too that
2: i don't does that make sense
1: oh yeah no i mean we've got to make a decision we've got to draw the line somewhere and i mean i don't know Like like I was saying earlier, like something's got to give, and usually, unfortunately, sometimes it's the family aspect that gives as we're trying to make our careers. I mean, and it's like why did I
2: even start this whole thing? It's like I wanted to be with my family, and it's like now I'm with them. What? It's like if we don't have a really clear why,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: then it starts. It it starts to get fuzzy, you know, around like what we're doing.
1: No, that does make sense. I mean, you. It's, it's a very thin line. It's a tightrope that you're walking, and you got to make sure you balance it very, very well. Because if not, you're going to fall off, your life is going to be screwed up, and you're going to be yeah, and it's you know, like, have a bad family mean, or be out of business. Does that
2: mean hiring more help? Does that mean doing less? Does that mean, like... And I think this is just my own observation, and I'll speak for myself too, but... It's like a... I think it becomes like a pride thing. Because it's mm-hmm. like hey, look how much I'm doing, look at all this stuff, and then for me to be like, hey, everyone that bought pork, like, we're not doing pork anymore, hey, raw milk, curd share people, we're not doing, I mean, that's, it's like a pride issue, you know, but if I can be humble and be like, hey, you know, we're shutting this down for partly, like, the health of, like, our family, and but if I want to keep my pride and in inflated, I can keep going. But it's at the expense of of something else, you know. And
1: yeah, I don't know. Some tough calls, but you got to make them. And it sounds like you guys are definitely making them for the health of your family. I mean, plus you guys just had a kid a couple of days yeah, ago. Yeah, dude, that, right?
2: I got like a I got like a week old baby at home. Oh, yeah, well, congratulations! So, yeah, thanks. So, yeah, that's been fun, man, and. You know, and there, and again, like there's so many stories of like people that grew up on farms and, you know, just they picked green beans for 15 years and <laughs> they don't want to eat a green bean ever again. And I get that. It's just like I don't want to I don't want to perpetuate that sort of situation. You know, I want to create an environment that has joy, you know, and people like being there. So,
3: oh, yeah,
2: I'm trying to figure out that and how to do that so well
1: hey one small step at a time and if it, it sounds like you're making some really good small steps one at a well, time i appreciate it so we'll end on this um i gotta ask you i like cooking i want to try some trout like cooking trout at the house yeah, yeah what are some of your favorite ways to actually cook trout
2: grilled is the is my favorite for sure
1: Your favorite okay
2: yeah i mean it doesn't take much man i do like Salt, pepper, Mm. some lemon slices, definitely got to do salt, pepper, like in the cavity of the fish and like, dude, Mm. five minutes each side, like medium heat on the grill. What I tell people on like at the farmer's market and stuff with just like a super like quick and dirty, like 400 in the oven, 20 minutes, like in a cast iron pan or like a cookie sheet uncovered, um, like olive oil, salt, pepper, uh, some thyme. Or if it's in the summer, like fresh dill works pretty good. But yeah, like on our website, you know, or on social media, you know, at Smoking Chimneys or SmokingChimneys.com, dot com, I've got how to cook a trout recipes and videos, and we've definitely spent a lot of time telling
1: folks how to cook it. So, yeah. But I'm gonna have to try that. Try those recipes. I haven't. I, I've got a smoker. I haven't cooked. Um. No. Well, if you no, have a
2: smoker, fish. you got, dude. That okay. Okay. So you take a trout, right? Yeah. Do half half salt, half sugar mixture. Yeah. Coat the trout inside and out, leave it in like a plastic bag or something in the fridge, like overnight, pull it mm-hmm. out, wash it off, put it on the smoker for like I mean I I do like two hundred for like two hours. Okay. Two and a half hours. The brined and smoked is ridiculous.
1: I bet it's delicious. Yeah. That sounds amazing. I need to yeah. try that. I've yeah. done I've done that kind of salt curing, salt sugar curing yeah, yeah. Um, with an egg yolk before. Oh, you nice! You like do it in the fridge and you grate it on top of um, just spaghetti, and it's actually really good. But nice. I'll try that with some with some trout.
2: Cool. Yeah, you'll you'll like it.
1: That's not bad. Well, Ty, this has been super fun, man. Chatting with you. Good luck in West Virginia. Good luck with smoke chimneys. Um, I'll link everything below all the. Um, social media, the website and everything. And of course, some links to your stuff at White Oak Pastures and all that good stuff. Is there anything else you want to mention?
2: Yeah, man. I mean, follow us on Instagram. We've just been, we're doing like a series now, like going through all the processes of like how we hatch and raise the fish. So (laughs) we've thought about doing a YouTube channel, but not, haven't crossed that bridge yet. But yeah, smokingchimneys.com and then Instagram at
1: smokingchimneys. Nice, we'll link all that below. And yeah, YouTube's fun, but it's also like another full-time job. Uh, I know, I'm like, dude, I don't have time
2: for another full-time
1: job (laughs) right now. You're busy as you are. Well, Ty, thanks so much for being on, man. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Farm Traveler Podcast. You know the drill if you're listening to the end of the episode. This is where I make sure to remind you to subscribe if you're new here or if you are an old listener, which I really, really appreciate you, um, be sure to share this episode with a friend or family member. We have new episodes every week, um, a lot of cool content, would love to help you know get that word of mouth out there so more and more people can learn how they can connect with their food, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, somewhere on the internet, anywhere be sure to subscribe and follow the show. And of course, we are super active on YouTube. We have farm tours up there, so go subscribe. Just go to youtube.com and look up Farm Traveler. And of course, it's super duper convenient. Go look in the description of this episode and you'll see a link that will take you there. So thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Adios.